I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, the Brian Stowe beating. Eight years ago, a Giants fan saw his life shattered when he was sucker punched by a Dodgers fan in Los Angeles on opening day. The case raised larger questions about fan behavior and violence. Sports writer Ron Krojcik joins us to talk about Stowe's remarkable recovery since and his latest challenge, talking to school kids about bullying. That's all coming up. We'll be right back. Ron Krojcik wrote about Giants fan Brian Stowe and his long journey back from nearly being killed by a rival fan at a Dodgers game. Here's our conversation. Ron Krojcik, thanks for joining us on Fifth and Mission today. Thanks for having me, Damien. For those uh, who don't know, a lot of our readers do, uh, Ron covers uh, sports for us, general assignment, meaning he's roving between the the different sports, does a lot of features. Uh, He also is one of just a few people remaining in our NCAA tournament pool. Tied for for fourth, I believe. Still with a chance to win. Who do you have? Uh, Michigan State beating Virginia in the finals. Very good. Very good. So, Ron, you just did a piece on Brian Stowe, who uh, was beaten up in 2011 at the home opener. Um, what got you interested in this? Well, I mean, he, uh, as you know, as you said, it happened eight years ago um, when the Giants opened at Dodger Stadium. And, and I had, you know, there had been some stories and some reports that he was speaking to schools um, about anti-bullying, but never in much depth. And it was just sort of curious to me on what his life was like all these years later. Um, I have a couple friends who are who are big Giant fans, and as I occasionally do, I sort of threw the idea out at them to think, would they be interested in reading about him? And they didn't know much of what, what happened to him. I think like a lot of people, they had heard the initial reports of how bad his his injuries were. Um, and as it turns out, eight years later, he's pieced together – a life. It's a different life. It's a shattered life, as we wrote about. But he's found a purpose and a path, and uh, he has recovered to the point where he can communicate and exist, certainly not anywhere near before the incident. But it just seemed like a good opportunity to update readers on what his life was like. And also, um, I mean, as you know, as an editor, any story where you can sort of observe firsthand so this wasn't just a phone interview. I met them, uh, Brian and his mom, and then went with them to a school visit. I mean, that was really the vision off the bat was go with them, see what his interaction is like with these kids. Um, and it was striking, very charismatic guy. I didn't know much about his personality, but he was funny. He wasn't just, you know, lecturing the kids. He interacted with them. And uh, it, was, it was very impactful, and, and uh, hopefully the story conveyed that. Yeah, no, it's an incredible it's an incredible story. I want to take us back for people who who don't recall. I mean, it was a huge story, but right. but who who is Brian Stowe and uh, what happened to him that day? So he's a paramedic um, in Santa Clara County. lived in Santa Cruz. Still lives in Santa Cruz. Actually, Aptos, just outside of Santa Cruz. Um, and he just turned fifty, so I guess he would have been forty two at the time yeah. of the incident. Yeah. Um, and was a big Giants fan. Has always been a Giants fan. Uh, went with two buddies to Dodger Stadium for that home op- uh, season opener, excuse me, uh, March 31st of 2011. Um, you know, he was with friends. It was, uh, you know, the opening day atmosphere. Um, and, and as you know, it got out of hand. There was a lot of drinking involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and these two men who apparently had been causing trouble during the game ended up uh, in a confrontation with Brian and his friends in the parking lot as they were on their way to the car. 
Yeah, and they and they chased him down. Correct. Yeah, I guess there was some some verbal taunting and back and forth, which is not uncommon in a Giants-Dodgers scenario, but it got heated um, and uh, escalated quickly, and apparently one of the uh, assailants hit Brian from behind. Um, I guess he ran up from behind and, and hit him, and, and when he hit the pavement, he hit his head very hard, and that's what caused the brain injuries that you know are basically permanent. Yeah, and... When it happened, it, it really touched a nerve. Uh, it was opening day, obviously. It, right. it, it went to the heart of the, sort of these fan rivalries. But why, why was it such a big deal, and why were so many people affected by his injury? Well, I think um, that's a good question, and I think it, it kind of gave a face and a story to the issue of fan violence, sure. and, and I don't know that it had been as stark as this. And here was a guy, you know, a good-looking guy who had a you know, pretty fairly young, 42, had two kids, I think the picture of him with his kids circulated widely after mm-hmm. this happened. Um, you know, he was in a coma, a medically induced coma for nine months. And it really looked like he was either going to die or have a very impaired life, um, you know, for quite a while, for a year or two. Um, and, and that's why I think this story uh, was important because I don't think people, you know, you move on to the next story, right? People forgot sort of what his condition was like. But for a while, it was very grim. I think that is part of why it resonated. Um, and then there was uh, the trial for the men who assaulted him. Um, each of them got four years in state prison. One of them got an additional four years in federal prison for weapons charges uh, when, when guns were discovered at his home. So the story kind of sh- was strung along with the, the trial, and then the Stowe's sued the Dodgers, which certainly elevated the issue of fan violence. Now it mm, wasn't yeah. just two guys beating up another guy, but there was the issue of, did the Dodgers do enough to prevent this? Because apparently, the testimony at the trial, these two men were causing trouble throughout the game. They were spilling beer on other fans. They were yelling at Giants fans. Giants fans were yelling back. It was the escalation throughout the game of this rivalry and this confrontation that obviously led to what happened in the parking lot. Yeah, and you mentioned that he, he fell on the ground. He, he was knocked out by the blow. Correct. And, and then, which is often what happens, unfortunately. Right. Well, I don't think he saw the blow coming from everything I've read. I mean, he and I didn't talk about yeah. the incident in, in much detail. But from, everything, from all the accounts, uh, there had been some verbal back and forth between mm-hmm. Brian's group and, and these two gentlemen. And then the attack itself wasn't, <laughs> wasn't arranged. It was a run from behind and, and kind of a sucker yeah. punch. So he's, he's out on his feet, correct, and he, and he hits the ground. And immediately his life is threatened. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, and the other, the, I think his friends were trying to help him, and I believe were, you know, and and and, and the uh, assailants were in, involved in preventing that. And it was a very ugly scene, obviously, and, and and very much in public, right? I mean, there's a lot of other people at the time in the parking lot going to their cars. Um, so I think it it struck a nerve, probably because of that too, that baseball fans everywhere can picture themselves sure. in a parking yeah. lot walking to their car and. You know, A, could this happen to me? B, just seeing it was probably, you know, uh, very unnerving for, for a lot of people. Sure. No, I've heard a lot of fans uh, in the time since say to each other, don't, don't talk to a stranger. Don't, you know, don't get involved in that argument. You just really don't know when you might be on the end of it. Absolutely. When Stowe and his friends had said they could see the escalation coming and they were trying to get to their cars, you know, sure. keep your head down. But I, I think the whatever verbal altercation had preceded it, 
had set the tone and, and started these uh, started this, uh, this this scuffle. Yeah, I think some people that followed this story may remember the press conferences at San Francisco General with the doctors and and people following his condition. Right. Um, how bad off was Brian? Um, I think he spent two to three years, if I recall correctly, bouncing to various hospitals and rehab facilities. Um, there was no certainty about how much he would recover. Um, I think he finally went home in 2013, so two, almost two and a half years later. Wow. Um, and you can imagine how <laughs> difficult that was for not only him, but his family. Um, his mom was apparently a church secretary at the time, retired to, to basically take care of him. Um, and uh, there were these various stages of rehab where he learned to, to walk, he learned to talk. He had a, a whole prolonged uh, sessions with a speech therapist that really set the, the ball in motion for this, for what he's doing now, speaking to schools. Because um, as he regained his communication skills, the, uh, the, the pathologist, the speech therapist, suggested he meet with kids mm. and that was a way for him to sort of integrate with other people because for a long time he was just in a, in a hospital room right trying to recover and, and there was there was psychological impact there was uh it was hard for him to sort of reintegrate into society for a while wow well i don't know if you know this but i covered the case as that's a, right as that's a right. reporter and um i was uh I, I once did a tour during this time with the in the traumatic brain injury ward mm -hmm. at San Francisco General Hospital, where he was, and the the patients were all in uh, various states of unconsciousness, and in many cases the doctors didn't know if they were going to recover or right. not, and uh, it, it seemed like at that time we were going through a period of of not really understanding these injuries which were cropping up all over, and there seemed to be a lot of interest in um, concussions and traumatic brain injuries. Has that been a big uh, thread in? In sports reporting, well, yeah, it has. It's it's become much more, and mostly in football, right? With with all sure. the the stories about the impact of football, and I've done a lot. You know, I've been part of that reporting. Um, we did a big series last year on the future of football that looked at traumatic brain injuries and and what football and and uh, manufacture you know helmet manufacturers are doing to try to uh, improve that that scenario. I mean, it's. It's absolutely become a big topic in sports. And like you said, there's a lot of mystery to the treatment of it, right? There's no, sure. it, it's not like there's a broken bone, you go fix it. The brain is still a, a very kind of mysterious uh, topic in that world. There's a gentleman in San Francisco, Darren C. DeBaca, who started a foundation geared toward brain healing. Um, his son suffered a very bad concussion playing a small college football on the East Coast. Son who grew up here and went to St. Ignatius. And then eventually recovered, but I mean, had to withdraw from school. You know, you hear these stories of kids who can't focus, who get headaches. Very common. My son had a friend in high school uh, who had this, a similar problem. And so Darren C. DeBacca's son eventually had treatment and, and you know, um, uh, I think there was hyperbaric chamber involved mm -hmm. and, and different sort of innovative methods that helped him regain function. Because um, if you have a concussion or a brain injury like that, you really can't function. Um, day to day, right? You see, you know, you you can't concentrate. You um, you have those headaches. So um, to answer your question, yes, there's a lot of focus on that in the sports realm, um, as there is obviously uh, in the in the world of medicine. Yeah, I, ha I have to tell you, having spent some time with his family back then, having covered uh, when Brian Stowe was in the hospital, I was 
I just couldn't believe how much progress he had made right. over the years since. I, I've just been amazed. Um, you paint a really incredible scene of him interacting with the children at the school recently. What was that like? Uh, how did he interact? What was the children's reaction to him? It was it was very striking, and it goes back to how a story like this, I think, resonates more when you can observe that, right, as sure. opposed to um, just talking to the, the subject. Um, I mean, it was clear the day before when I met with Brian and his mom that he's a funny guy. He's a very uh, engaging personality. Um, but then it really came out with the kids. And this was a group of third, fourth, and fifth graders at an elementary school in Benicia, um, which, and I was sort of skeptical. Do I want to go to an elementary school? He also speaks to high schools where you might have more of an impact, I think, right? And where kids are sort of reaching that stage of, of finding their path. And am I going to be a bully? Am I not going to do this? How am I going to treat other kids? Third, fourth, and fifth graders are pretty young. Sure. Um, so I was amazed at how, and I, I think I led my story with this, at how he got them to pay attention. You know, he, he engaged with them immediately. And part of it was the video they showed. They showed about a two-and-a-half-minute video that traces his story, that shows what he was like before the incident, shows how horribly uh, injured he was in the a- attack, and then how he sort of pieced things together now. Um, and I think the kids, it resonated with the kids. They could see it, right? It wasn't just someone telling them. It was a video. Um, and then he comes out. So, you know, this is all done with his mom. And then Brian comes out sort of dramatically with you mm. know, music going on. Um, and and he, you know, he would ask questions of the kids. He would ask kids to prompt the kids to ask questions. He would be funny in his response. Um, you know, it was, it was definitely uh, very interactive, not, not a, a lecture at all. And I think that's why it worked. So, Ron, when Brian speaks to these kids, what is his overarching message? It's a good question. Um, he, and it's kind of interesting to me, and that was one of the things I wanted to find out in this story, was how this started. You know, how did he decide this was his path? And it really traced to a woman named Brandy Dickinson, um, who was his speech-language pathologist for four years. Um, and I think I mentioned she, she has found that with traumatic brain injury patients, de- interacting with kids is very helpful. It's a helpful way to get back into interactions with people again because you're spending so much time alone trying to, to recover. Um, and in the course of that, it sort of, it, they sort of connected what happened to Brian with the whole idea of bullying among kids, which has obviously mm-hmm. been a hot-button issue in, in recent years. Because um, really what happened to Brian was adult bullies was the way they put it, Brandy and Brian. Brian had actually been referring to these men as thugs. Mm -hmm. And when they were talking about how to speak to the kids, Brandy said, that might not be the right word to use. (laughs) Um, So they sort of settled on adult bullies. And it really triggered this thought that, you know, adult bullies, kid bullies, these two are connected. You know, this this conversation with kids can lead to something very productive and fruitful that might, you know, might prevent something like this from happening, whether it's on the playground, whether it's in the future, as these kids, you know, move into society. Um, and I think I cited an example in the story of a fourth grader who came upon uh, an example of a classmate bullying someone, and she said, don't do you remember what Brian Stowe said? Because Stowe had spoken at that school. Um, and that's exactly what they're trying to accomplish here, right, is don't, not only don't bully someone else, don't be a bystander and watch the bullying happen. Do what you can to stop it. I mean, you're not asking fourth graders to jump in and break up a fight, but 
that's pretty pretty profound if that girl says, don't you remember what Brian Stowe said? Stop picking on sure. you know, your classmate. Um, so I think that's really is his message is be involved, treat people with respect. Um, you know, it sounds like things we tell our kids all the time, but as this showed with, with what happened to Brian, it's, you know, it, it can get out of control. So he's trying to sort of address it at a, at a, at an earlier stage. Yeah. Well, for stories like this, I mean, I think some people will wonder as a sports writer, do you prefer to write stories like this or do you prefer to, you know, hang out with Curry and Durant and do the more, uh, game-based story? Oh, I'd rather do this in a heartbeat. I think, I think this, it, it transcends sports for one. Um, and you're writing about people. I mean, and even when you are in the, I mean, I covered the, the A's for five years and the Raiders for four way back in my younger days. And um, I think that's an important uh, base journalistically. But I, these are the stories that uh, that get me excited, that, that stories that I want to tell. And I think they're the stories people want to read. And I think they're more important than ever now when the results are easily available on your phone and uh, – I mean, I still do contribute to our Warriors coverage regularly, but even then it's looking for stories that maybe aren't told regularly that maybe offer a little more depth and perspective on uh, on the personalities involved. Sure. Well, you do an amazing job. Um, on the Stowe case, what, were there changes, were there uh, impacts that the original beating had on, on sports security, on uh, the climate at ballparks? It's a good question. I, I talked to George Costa, who's the Giants uh, – VP of stadium operations. And he said there were actually some measures in place or or being implemented before, right about the time this happened. So I think it had been on the radar of teams and stadium executives that, that the comfort, that, that the climate among the fans could get dangerous. Right. And then this happened. And I think it really brought it into stark, immediate importance. And as you might know, a couple years later, there was another incident in which a fan was killed um, a few blocks from AT&T Park here in San Francisco. Um, again, a Giants-Dodgers game. Again, alcohol involved. Um, it wasn't at the ballpark. It was at a, at a bar a couple hours after a game. But a dispute that had led either, either carried over and created a, a fight, a confrontation, and, and the fan was killed. Um, and the, uh, the perpetrator was not prosecuted because it was determined it was self-defense, that, that it, you know, he was being attacked, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, again, shone another light yeah. on this issue. Um, and if, George Costa from the Giants, I'm sorry, um, was just saying how they're trying to, you know, technology, right, that you can text now if, if mm. you know, anonymously text if, if a confrontation is, seems to be brewing. But it's, it's, a, it's a lot of people, right? There's 40,000 people in a yeah. game. It's, it's hard to control. Yeah, I was going to say I, I felt like there were some people who who saw sort of the arguing and the and the gamesmanship between like Dodgers and Giants fans, right. for example, in a you know as good fun. You know, it could go pretty far, but it was mostly in good fun. But I think the the incidents like the Stowe case, you started to hear people say, "Hey, wait a minute, we need to take a look at at this. It's not okay. You know, there's well, some danger here." Well, it's scary. I mean, I think back. You know, I, I lived in Chicago until I was 12. When we moved to San Diego, and I went to games, Padres games, wearing my Cubs jersey, right? It, I don't think I'd do that now. <laughs> and my wife and I have actually had conversations with our son about sure. be careful what you wear to a game. Yeah. And there's those fans that sit in the stands and they kind of want to incite a little bit. They're having some fun with it. They're doing the big cheers for the opposing team. Right. 
And it, this kind of put it in a little Well, and that's the thing is the, his, the history of it has mostly been good-natured, right? Sure. And, and there's, there's some taunting maybe, but it's all in, in good fun. And the Brian Stowe thing reminds us that it, it often gets, goes over the line. And Brian Stowe was wearing a Buster Posey jersey at the time of this attack. I mean, there's no mystery if you're a Giants fan or a Dodgers fan at a game like that, right? You're wearing probably the hat of one or the other team or a shirt. So I'm, that, I mean, that clearly is how you're identified, and that, that can potentially lead to yeah, this kind of which incident. Is, which is too bad. Which is horrible, yeah. I wonder if you've been following recently, it seems like the, the, the storylines we've been seeing in sports now are about these interactions between um, NBA players, for example, and fans right. who've been taunting them. Uh, we saw uh, what Russell Westbrook uh, uh, recently uh, have an interaction with a fan that went viral. Right. Um, why are we seeing this now? And, and is, this, is, is this a change? I think like a lot of things right now, it's probably driven by social media mm-hmm. and there's a connection that fans feel and intimacy. Uh, and in NBA, you can be pretty close to the bench, right, for some fans. And this fan in Utah who was apparently shouting racial, racially charged comments at Westbrook, uh, which prompted that incident. Westbrook responded. The fan ultimately was banned for life. Um, and then it came to light that uh, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, when the Warriors were in Boston, earlier this season, had a similar incident with a fan who was screaming racial epithets. And then just this week, uh, in baseball, Adam Jones of the Arizona Diamondbacks in San Diego was being cussed out, apparently, by a fan near the dugout and had that fan ejected. Mm. Um, So it does raise the question of where the line is, right? Um, Whether it's fan versus fan or fan on player. Um, And it is, uh, especially if you take small kids to a game, it's uncomfortable if you have a fan in the adjacent row screaming profanities at a at a player. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you explain that to your eight year old kid or tell him that's not right? And um, there's certain liberties, I guess, you have as a paying fan, right? You can cheer for your team, you can yell negatively at the other team, but where is the line? Um, and Adam Jones's point la- uh, this week was that kind of language is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to be yelling at players that personally and that vo- in a, that vulgar manner is just not not tolerable. And, and I, I agree with him personally. Um, but uh, you are seeing this more and more. You're right. Um, I'm not sure what's triggering it. Uh, maybe, maybe the fans feel that right because the ticket prices are so much more than they used to be. <laughs> maybe they feel yeah. they know the players better because they follow a lot of them on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. But there's definitely, uh, in some ways, fans are farther removed than pl- from players than ever. And in some ways, they're a lot closer. Um, and it's it's led to some awfully uncomfortable. Maybe the beer prices are so high that they feel if they're going to have a few, they better get their money's worth. Well, and that and that's uh, that's definitely an element of this uh, is alcohol. And and Brian Stowe's mom and I talked about that a little bit during our interview, and she hadn't realized until this happened how much teams promote the alcohol they sell at these games. Um, I mean, you walk into any ballpark, whether it's the Giants, the Dodgers, the Cubs, whomever, often one of the first things you see is a big elaborate bar, right? Or, or there's, so, there's uh, concession stands devoted to alcohol. Sure. I mean, as long as that's involved, as long as teams can make money as they can, um, this is going to be an issue. Where, where do you draw the line? When do you cut off sales? How do you monitor, you know, how much is too much, Right. 
Because that was obviously a factor in the Brian Stowe incident. It's, uh, it's clearly a factor in m- most of these incidents. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the story. Uh, what are you working on now? Um, nothing as uh, impactful as this, um, but uh, some giant stuff. Uh, a lot of Warriors, obviously, with the playoffs coming up. Uh, I spent some time with Steve Kerr the other day for a story on him um, that will run in our playoff preview next Friday, the 12th. Um, they start the playoffs that weekend, the 13th and 14th. Um, it'll be very Warriors heavy the next couple months. Uh, also, the U.S. Open Golf Tournament coming to Pebble Beach, which golf is sort of my realm. Um, so, yeah, again, I'll look for, look for hopefully compelling uh, stories uh, uh, of the people involved. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, that, was, that was really fascinating, and good luck to you on your NCAA tournament pool. <laughs> I'm out of it, so I'll be rooting for you. Well, if I win, I could at least pay for like two days of my son's college. So, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me, Damien. Okay, thank you. To learn more about the Brian Stowe Foundation, go to brianstowefoundation.org. That's B-R-Y-A-N-S-T-O-W foundation.org. Thank you to our guest, Ron Krojcik, and thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.